Today on The Breakdown, it was a dusty day in Oklahoma. Jimmy, the piano player at the saloon, was spinning up the tunes the way all the players loved. And there he was, sitting there. The kid seemed to shoot down everyone who came on in. But he had his sights set on something bigger, not just a name, not just reputation, not just great money, not just being the best poker player around. He had his sights set on the GOAT, the greatest of all time. He was just waiting for that hot gun to walk in the door. (laughs) And one day it happened. One day Philip P. Helbuth (laughs) showed up. One single six shooter. Didn't really seem to have the technology. (laughs) Or the brain. (laughs) But somehow, some way, many people thought he was the greatest. And this young kid, or once young child now balding, Kid Poker was here to show up and take him down. And that is what we are going to talk about because Daniel Granu played Phil Helmuth in the second of their high-stakes heads-up duel matches. $100,000 each was put up. Daniel Granu trying to reclaim some glory after Phil Helmuth embarrassed him last time. Will it happen? Well, there's one hand that was probably the key hand in the entire match. And we're going to talk about it right now, where everything goes down on the breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. First time, no couldn't couldn't help taking some shots at these guys in the I, opening, <laughs> could you? You almost made Negrano seem cool, and then you had to mention the whole balding thing. Yeah, I don't know. He's not even balding anymore because of the, the hair implants or whatever. I don't know. How does that work from a philosophical perspective? Are you balding mm. once you've received hair implants, or like you've already balded and you've re- rebirthed your hair and so you're no longer balding? Is balding a description of what you look like or what's actually going on? Right. Right. That's like the LeBron question. James, Daniel Negrano, are they balding or not? Right. I guess they are. I'm going to say they are because they they need these things because they're balding, right? Yeah, the balding is the act of your hair receding, which is something that is happening to them no matter what they do to intervene. As opposed to bald, which is is the um, physical description. So Daniel Grano is not bald, but he is balding. Yes. Okay. I think we figured that out. Good. And what did we say about Phil that was so bad? You said he didn't have the brains or the technology. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why people say that we take shots. At yeah. Anyone. What the hell are we talking about here? <laughs> uh, you know, Phil Hubbuth, I think it's a fair question <clears throat> if he is, you know, up to date enough and willing to learn enough. Let's put this in terms that you big nerd levy can understand. Okay. If there was a mystical world, like a game of Thrones type of yeah. world, right? And, they continue to advance technologically in the same way that our world did from whatever time Game of Thrones is emulating, like 1100 or whatever it's supposed to emulate in their version of, sure. the, of the world. But we got to like the 21st century in that version of the world, right? Okay. And technology had advanced at a similar pace. And there was stuff like GTO and computers and all that stuff. Still, the lady who has the dragons would be very powerful, right? Mm. And Phil Helmuth has the white magic. It, he is the wizard with the white good. magic. That's actually pretty good. You know, I'm going to put it in slightly different terms, but similar idea for the rest of the audience. Okay. Um, it's sort of like Darth Vader, like ancient sorcery yeah. against Han Solo. Like he's got the blaster. He's got the fastest ship in the galaxy. He knows yeah. how to play Sarlacc or whatever. That's not the name of it, but whatever the, the name of their yeah. dumb card game is. Sorry. Star Wars fans. It might be an excellent card game. You've never played it. You yeah. don't know. And I know the Sarlacc is that monster in Return of the Jedi. But, um, but like, so you think Han has the big advantage here, but actually Darth... He can do the choke thing. And you just give him a light, lightsaber. He can block all the shots. He, he doesn't even need the choke thing to take down Han, honestly. Yeah. But he can do the choke thing, too. He can do anything he wants. So is that what we're really looking at here? Is it the Negranu is Han Solo or, some ver- or C-3PO or whatever, some technological I think Negranu, version of poker? Based on how good Negranu has been and was, yeah. I, I think you got to give him better than Han Solo okay. as far as his... Like Boba, he's like Boba Fett. 
Oh, you know he what? Like, he like got no no extra skills, but he's like super good at all this shit, and he's like way up to date technologically and all that stuff. Here's what I'm gonna say about that. Okay, thank God Mandalorian season two happened. Otherwise, if you said that, that would be embarrassing though, because the only thing that Boba Fett ever did in the movies was look cool for a second yeah. and like act, get knocked over by a okay. blind guy into the, actually the Sarlacc pit, right? But but fair enough. We now know that he's cool. Yeah, so it's fine. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, he's got that cool technology. He is formidable for sure. Yeah. But can he take on the great sorcerer? Now, is Phil Helmuth actually a great sorcerer, though? Or did he just play in a lot of tournaments well, where there were 40 guys and everyone sucked at poker and he played a little too? In the analogies that we've just created in these mystical worlds, Phil Helmuth certainly believes he's the great sorcerer. Yes. He believes that, that he can beat GTO with his white magic. And well, so far, he's proven it heads up. Now, it's not entirely fair because yeah. he's played two people of his same era in these heads up matches. He's played Antonio Fondiari and Daniel Negreanu, who are certainly more up on GTO than he is, but it's not like he's playing Doug Polk like Negrano did, and it's not like he's, he's playing these GTO wizards. Doug Polk, by the way, has offered Phil after the second victory he ended up having over Negrano, spoiler, um, a million-dollar heads-up match. He said this, I think it was best of seven, actually, and it was, he said, all the rules are the same as what you're doing right now with Negrano, um, and it's, we'll just play, we'll play for, you know, money or whatever. I think it was, they were going to play for money, but the point is this, if Doug Polk loses... He's going to give Phil a million dollars, and Phil doesn't have to give it. It's like a million dollar free roll. Really? It's not a free roll, of course, because it's the reputational thing. No, it's also the money. Like, they're actually playing for cash. Oh, it's for cash also. Yeah. Um, So Doug is so sure, though, he's going to beat the hell out of him that he's like, if I lose, I'll give you a million dollars, and you don't have to give me anything if you you lose. That's how how much better I am. Uh, Is Phil going to be able to decline that with his ego? I think he is. I think he is. Okay. I fully expect him to. And he's going to say why? Um... Who cares? He's going to come up with some dumb reason. I'm just and, curious. What do you think oh. he might say? Because, like, obviously Phil wouldn't say it's because Doug's better than me that I'm declining this. That's not the Phil Humuth way. Um, interesting point. You know what? We should look up exactly the parameters of what Doug is offering because that would matter for this. Right? If it's live and it's it's the same kinds of matches that uh, he's doing against Negrano, but somehow there's there's a cash component, too. That's the thing that I don't remember. Like, the point is that Doug can make a lot of money doing yeah. this, like, clearly, right? Right. So... But it wasn't, sorry, I don't remember this one. Part of it is because I'm distracted because there's this other thing I really wanted to talk about. Okay. And so like I was thinking about that this whole time. Go ahead. It's it's just, it's just dominating my mind. All right. All right. Let it out. Let the brain bug out. So Daniel Coleman tweeted the other day that Sean Perry, who we recently did. Yes. I saw these tweets. Yes. So Sean Perry, he thinks scammed him out of a million dollars or so, right? He said seven figures. It could, oh, be, a, it oh, could be a lot more. It's at least a million dollars. Yeah. Right? Millions of dollars, more likely. Okay. Um, in, a, in a thing with him and Sam Sovereign, Who's a kind of a known guy who scams people, right? Well, not exactly. That's oh, a little he, too he harsh. He angles super hard? Is that what it is? It's a question if he angles. There's that one World Series hand. Oh, the timing thing. Where he folded out of turn in a really big spot where he had raised under the gun. They were four-handed at the final table. He was three-bet by Ben Heath. Then this other guy goes all in. Sorry, the other guy goes all in. Then Ben Heath is trying to decide whether he should call or not in the big blind with ace-queen suited. The all-in, which is like for 30 blinds. And several... Ben, he throws in a time extension and Savril instantly folds, uh-huh. which actually seemed okay. But then everyone like Ike Haxon came out and said he does this all the time. Ah, like yeah. this is not, this is like, I knew this was coming kind of a thing. Right. Okay. So it's even Ben, even Dan Coleman says like, he's not sure if Sam is in on it. He's pretty sure Sean is doing, he thinks it's possible Sam is on it too, but he feels he doesn't have as much proof on that. But the point is he feels like they scammed him on in like daily fantasy out right. of a million dollars. Okay. So you can read about that if you want to read about that. Here's the part I want to get into though. Dan Zach. Yeah. Your favorite. Danny Zach. He's back. So he tweeted about Sean Perry. Right. And here's so what he said. Can, oh, I, can I preempt this with a little Please. bit? We knew nothing about Sean Perry when we did a Sean Perry hand, which I has come out by the time this podcast comes yeah. out. But when we did that hand, all we did, we looked him up. Turned out he was the son of Ralph Perry, who was the like famously berated by Tony G and was a poker pro for at least a little while. And we're like, how does Sean Perry have this money? I don't understand whatever he's... Playing in this high-stakes poker game, fine. He seems like he's a relatively good player based on the few things we've seen. And that's all we knew about him at the time that we did that podcast. Here we go. Okay. Get ready for this. This is quick, but this is good. So here's what Dan tweeted. Playing a big game at Commerce a few years ago, Sean was winning a big number and was bragging to the table about how high his hourly was and that he was the smartest person at the table. A lawyer at the table perked up as he was buried and saw an opportunity. 
He slid out $100,000 in front of Sean and offered a bet that he didn't have the highest IQ at the table. Sean initially declined, saying, of course not everyone will take one, meaning an IQ test. But the lawyer goes around the table, and everyone at the table agrees, if these two guys bet $100,000, that they will all take an IQ test. (laughs) Sean backs down, and now the lawyer changes his offer to Sean not being in the top three people at the table on the IQ. Sean eventually declines. Now the lawyer changes his offer again, saying Sean is in the bottom three at the table in IQ. Sean once again pauses for a while before declining. Finally, the lawyer pushes another $100,000 forward and says $200,000 says he is in last place at the table. Sean doesn't say another word for the night. Wow. Is that incredible? Yeah. I know. I, I sort of can't believe how good that is. I know? mean, you got to take that bet, the last bet. you got to be ahead of one person at the table, most likely. Right? Mike McDonald is the guy who retweeted this where I saw it, and he wrote, this might be the hardest I've ever heard of someone getting bodied. <laughs> <laughs> and I got to kind of agree with him. Like, holy shit. Like, that is such a, like, a slow-motion takedown of someone publicly. It's interesting. I, I'd never heard of Sean Perry before we did the breakdown of him a couple weeks back, and like, now he's in this scandal thing, and I guess he's hated in the poker world. I had no idea. I guess so. And you know what? Maybe he is kind of dumb only because the lawyer slid out a second 100K and it's like willing to bet that he's the lowest IQ. Must think he, the lawyer must think he had a real shot at winning that. Yeah. And the lawyer, being a lawyer, I'm guessing he's not a total idiot, you know? I mean, some lawyers are total idiots. Okay, but Sean obviously thought, like, this guy probably has a higher IQ than me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so, that, so he can't be too much of an idiot, probably, right? Anyway, I'm just saying, like, wow. That takes some moxie if it you're does. that lawyer. Yeah, maybe he just had a lot of money. He yeah. probably has a lot of money. But you... still... Still, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Anyway, I just like I was like, I have to read that on the show. That's so incredible. So that thank is... you, Dan Zach, for sharing that. Yeah. See, Dan Zach, wonderful in all ways. Always, always. So getting back to what we were talking about, Phil Helmuth, Dan Negreanu. Yeah. Oh, this is what I want to say. So, yeah. What is balding? <laughs> <laughs> like. Dan Negreanu might qualify as close to a GTO wizard these days. Like, he did so much studying. Doug Polk himself said, like, he thought Negreanu was really, really good at heads up now. From yeah, the GTO I mean, as far as comparison to Phil Helmuth, if you're going to talk about the dearth there, I, I agree with you. But I think then if you zoom in, it's yeah. like the difference between Negreanu and the Polk types is still, like, if you had zoomed in, it's like a huge difference from a percentage that's probably true, but I will say Doug said at the beginning he was definitely more than a 5-1 to one favorite, and by the end of their heads-up match, he definitely wasn't. Hmm. So he thinks Negron has significantly improved anyway. Yeah. And, but that's fair. Like, I'm sure Doug is still a significant favorite right. against Negronu, you know. Um, so, you know, like, I think it's a fair thing to say, like, this is basically like new school versus old school, even though Negronu is in his own way old school, too, you know. Rel- relatively. 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 Because, yeah. I mean, how much is Phil doing with any of the, Like, watching him play some of these hands, it doesn't, they don't seem to have anything to do with it. It's white magic. Yeah. I don't know why he decides to pick certain hands to do certain things with. Like, and usually we will we, know why Polk does. We have to be fair to Phil, though. He beat Antonio, what, three times? Yep. And, and beat Negreanu once already going uh, into this match? Yeah. I mean, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Now, he's probably going to decline against Doug. And to what we were talking about before, what is he going to say? Because he's not going to say... He's going to say he doesn't have time. I mean... Seven matches or something. Everybody knows that's bullshit. Yeah. Did we ever look up that thing? Do we know what Doug actually offered? I'm going to try no. and find it. Because uh, it's... I feel like it wasted our time. And if I don't get it right, it's, it's not super great. Um, but uh, he's going to say he doesn't have time. He's going to say, you know, heads up isn't really my game. Although he doesn't say that. He actually says the opposite now. He talks about how, how good he is at heads up. And I can beat everyone at heads up. Because he's Philly, he can't help himself. Well, he has beat Antonio and he has beat Daniel. Here it is. Here's the, here's the tweet. Hey, Phil Hummy, 25,000 hands, $200, 400, heads up, no limit, two tables, 100 big blinds. I'll put up a free $1 million if you win. My million dollars to your zero. Come get some. That's the tweet. Wow. So Phil will say, I'm not a cash game player. I'm a tournament player. Yeah. That's what he'll say. That's what and by say. the way, he is right. Yeah. It's only 100 blinds. So you could sort of, it's not, they're, they're not super deep, which is to Phil's advantage. But you think Doug would be willing to do a similar bet in a tournament style format? Probably not. Um, I would guess probably not. Probably not. I don't know. He's starting here. Yeah. Now he started, he basically made this kind of offer to Daniel and was willing to really negotiate. And Daniel ultimately said, no, we're just going to play no limit. Hold yeah. Doug offered eventually to play other games as well, like half and half and, 
Like, so this is his, this is his opening offer. So maybe he's willing to like make it smaller and for like less, less of a bonus. Or maybe he's willing to play tournament style instead, like free, freeze outs effectively. Right. Yeah. Um, well, it's not just freeze outs, but yeah, it sort of is. I don't know. 25,000 hands though. That's the thing. Like he wants to make sure he gets in that many hands. If you play it as tournament style, like I guess you could play like 25 matches or something. Yeah. hundred blinds deep each time. I don't even know if that's really enough, but that's pretty close. I mean, you're, you're still, 50 matches. you're a heavy favorite. 50 matches point. would yeah. do it. Right. Yeah. 50, or 49 matches, I guess is what you would do. Um, maybe that, that gets close to kind of the, the other thing Phil's going to say is he wants to play live. Yeah, for sure. He would say he wants to play live. So it's an easy no for him. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. So, I mean, anyway, despite the fact that he's definitely going to reject that offer, we got to give him credit for what he's done so far. You know what? As much as I rag on him and as much as you hate him, uh, and you hate him more than me, I see you making me that, the look, but you do. I mean, you, you love to talk about that. But I don't you really. Do. The thing is, I'm not sure that's true. I think it's like we've talked about this on previous podcasts. It's I don't about, hate him. Oh, it, that's right. It's about how we use the word. Yeah. Right. Like I, I strongly dislike him by your standards of how you use the word hate. And yeah. you also strongly dislike him yeah. by your standards of how you use the word. hate. I strongly dislike him. That's how I would describe myself. And I, and you describe yourself as hating him. So I strongly, so, dislike, wow. I, no, I've, I went around to your way of thinking in the yeah, okay. other podcast. Okay. I probably overused the word hate. Okay. I, you know what? That's great. Yeah. I support that. We both strongly dislike Phil. Yeah. I'm never having met him. Right. I, I like briefly met him, but it doesn't count. Okay. Like, I mean that one time when we all went to white castle and, we yeah. had that adventure. We ran into Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah, yeah. But besides that, right. it doesn't really count. We were yeah. all high as, high as balls. It was awesome. <laughs> um, anyway, but having said all that, you are correct. He has shown really consistent success. And even though we can say things that are easy to say, like slim pickings, low-hanging low fruit, I should say, like, oh, you know, the majority of his bracelets were won in the early days, pre-moneymaker era, where there were 45 guys playing the tournament and everybody sucked. And that is true. But he's also won a bunch of bracelets since the moneymaker era began. And he's probably, I don't know if he's won the most bracelets, but he's got to be in the top 10 or something of most bracelets won, right? Since the moneymaker. He's probably oh, won yeah. like five or six bracelets since then. Yeah, right? he's won a lot. Like, that's, I mean, even if he's playing every event, so are a lot of other guys. And yeah. no one else is doing that, or almost no one else is doing that. So credit where credit is due. He also has won a bunch. He beat Antonio somehow three times in a row. He did beat Daniel the first time. Now, he beat Daniel the first time. Daniel was up like, literally had a 19 to one chip advantage. And Phil won a bunch of all-ins in a row, but he still did win, and he gets some credit for that. But Daniel, like, had him had his hands around his throat in the first one anyway. Yeah, I mean, I think he does deserve more credit than than yeah. we and the rest of the poker world give him. Yeah. But he's he's brought this on himself with his piss poor attitude and the way he treats people. Like that is, I think part it, of it. it it frames it entirely. I was just kind of imagining when you were talking about this. I was thinking about Joe Cata mm-hmm. and how. Neither of us would ever think of Joe Cata as a GTO wizard who can defeat the highest stakes heads up GTO, right. but he might be our first pick to play the main event. Right. You know, sure. and Helmuth might have that similar type of skill set as Joe Cata, but Joe Cata is uh, just a nice, likable guy who doesn't fuck with people. He doesn't shit on people sure. for no reason. If Phil Helmuth was just Joe Cata and had the same resume, I think we look at him very differently if he plays exactly the same. I mean, we still would question some of his absolutely bizarre decisions that he makes. Of course, he- of course we would but we would also give him way more credit for his accomplishments yeah. because we wouldn't fucking despise the way he acts at the table and treats people and bl- blames the dealer for everything and fucks with other people's poker games. There's a second thing to this also, which is Kat is not walking around saying I'm the greatest. Yes. So that's true. Phil Hummy is saying that makes us want to pull him down. Cause we're like, you're clearly not the greatest. Yeah. Which that's, he isn't, right? that's all. That's all baked into it. Right. Yeah. Like if Helmuth would still be a famous poker player, if he wasn't the poker brat, he would not be as famous for sure, but he would be famous. We would know who he was. Yeah. We would talk about his hands. We would respect him more. We would, for sure. we would have reverence for his ability to continue to have success at, at reasonably high levels. Yeah. Despite the GTO revolution that he's not a part of. I mean, maybe it's a victory for Helmut that like we strongly dislike him and we have to grudgingly be like, he's obviously doing something right. Yes. Like even though this and that, and he makes decisions we kind of can't stand and think are like really bad. Look around. Like he's, he's obviously also doing a lot of things correctly. Yes. Like, I think that's, that works for that's him. clear. And like, I think he probably makes way more mis- mistakes and big mistakes than the average pro yeah. who is making a living playing poker. But he also does other things incredibly well that maybe are sometimes hard for us to see. Yeah. And, and that's to his credit. And you know, the other thing is I think the game is not like the game that we're playing is not necessarily the game that he's playing. Like, so we're playing, we meaning the, the general poker world is playing the like play poker, play poker. Well, do your best to beat, 
your competition win money. Generate right? the greatest possible expected value. Yeah, like a, for, with every decision. His game is build your brand, get into these games where you're playing against, where they, the businessmen pay you $50,000, fly you down to their home game where it's just rich whales and are happy to lose $250,000 to you and you're better than all of them because they're all fucking horrible. You know, like Scott Seaver doesn't get to do that shit. No. So like... Phil Helmuth can lose to all these other players if he gets invited to those games and gets to win a quarter million dollars regularly and get paid to do it, you know? Like, I would guess that kind of shit happens to him regularly. Yeah, but I think the I think you're still not giving him enough credit using that analogy. Yeah. You're only talking about cash game Phil Helmuth there, and I think he is, yeah. in the big-time cash games, definitely a loser. He Massive. has no idea how to play has those games be. against those guys. Of course. But in the big tournaments, he, he's fucking great. He knows what he's doing. I mean, again, though, you would certainly agree... I believe that like if we put him one of the hundred K high rollers and it's, you know, yes, all the German players and all that stuff. Like he's, he's clearly a dog, right? He's clearly not in the, he's a below average player. And, and it with you, you give me the top 50 tournament players. You put Phil Hummuth in, he's the 51st best player in the tournament, right? Yes. I a hundred percent agree with that. But I think if you're drafting for the main event, Joe Cata might be number one. Phil Hummuth might be top 10. I don't know. That's an interesting question. Yeah. Um, it's funny because I know I feel part of me but never wanting to give him any credit, right? I don't want to say that. I'm like, fuck no. This, this is, but, all ties back to like yeah. his personality and how he's yes. a dick to everybody. Yeah, yeah. Like he's just like an irrefutable dick. He's such an asshole. Yeah. Man, I don't like that guy. And man, does he complain about everything. Yes. As I complain about him. But but I only complain about him. Yeah. I don't complain about anything else ever. So uh all right. Having said all that, maybe we can bring it back to this hand. Okay. So him and Daniel hate each other. No, they're actually, okay. they're buddies. Yeah. They're buddies for sure. Although Phil, even, even though the fact they're good friends cannot sort of help, but like talk down to Daniel, even as they're playing this tournament, right. You know, this heads up match, he's saying how bad Daniel, what a terrible player he is, how dumb he is. He says all these things, you yeah. know, how he can't now Phil's new thing is to talk is to swear too to be like, I can't fucking believe how fucking stupid this is, how bad you play, how fucking bad you are. He says stuff like that to Daniel. Which yeah. is crazy. Daniel has won twice as much money as Phil has in tournaments in, right. their, in their careers. You know, Daniel obviously is one of the better players, but this is just Phil. Like, he can't control himself. Right? Can't. No. And I guess Phil also says all the things that a lot of people might think, but he also says things that no one thinks because I don't a dick. think I don't think these things when what, like he's saying these after normal hands. Right. I don't think That's these right. things after normal hands. Like you're right. He called me with a queen and a ten, honey. Exactly. Like, no, you're right. It's like you, you, he three bets you, you call him with heads up, you call him with king nine suited. He has jacks, you flop a king, and he's super upset yeah. and acts like you're the dumbest guy in the world. Right. And by the way, puts in a lot of money post flop doing yeah. it, right? Or whatever he does. But like when he finally gets the showdown, he tells you you're stupid. And it's like, you're stupid. This is, <laughs> this is why it's, it's hard to give him credit because he yeah. is unlikable. That right. said, I just want to reiterate Phil Helmuth, if somehow you're still listening, me and you, buddy, $20,000 heads up match. Put it on TV. Don't you put upped, it on TV. You I don't the care. offer. It used to be 10. No, no. We, we, I had upped it to 20 already. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. No, 20K each. 20K buy-in. Heads up match. I'm available. <laughs> I'm available. I'm still willing to do this. You're, you're not sure anymore, though, after he's had so much success. In the it makes up. me want to do it more. Grant. Okay. <laughs> uh, and we can do it on TV. We cannot do it on TV. I don't care. But I will own your soul. <laughs> okay. Right. Cool. Continuing. Should we get into the hand? Yeah. Hey, this was suggested by Anton Zykin on Twitter. Anton, of course, tweeted at us. We are the poker guys on Twitter. He included a YouTube link and a timestamp, and that was wonderful. That's how you do it. Yes. So please do that if you're going to suggest a hand, and please suggest hands. Please do. We like it when you do. All right. So this is the second of the Helmuth Negreanu heads-up matches. The first one, they put up 50 cage. This one, they put up 100 cage. Yep. So Phil's free-rolling it. As of now, yes. Um, Negreanu. Who has 113K? They started with 100K. Uh, raises to 4K with 9-7 of diamonds on the button small blind. Okay. Exciting. Here's one of those non-GTO things that Phil Hummuth does. Now, maybe he's decided this is part of his range for three betting for one reason or another that actually has some sort of mathematical backing, but I'm going to guess it just has to do with he wanted to. Yeah. He has 10 deuce of diamonds and he three bets to 14K. He's got 85K. So just random, just clicking a button. It sure feels like it. Feels like. I don't know if he's tilty at this point or if he thinks Negreanu was weak for some reason and is going to fold. But I can tell you, knowing what Negreanu's hand is, also the fact that this is a breakdown. Negreanu's definitely not going to just fold this right. hand. This sizing is tough to fold out a lot of Negreanu's range anyway. You're three and a half X. Out of position, yeah. heads up. Negreanu's calling with a lot. Now, he's going to fold some things. Yeah. 
for gonna, sure. He'd fold nine seven off. It just this is such a ridiculous hand to do this with. Like, pick a better hand. That's all. Pick a hand that's got a blocker in it. Pick a hand that plays better post flop. Uh, it's the Doyle. Like Doyle doesn't even do this with the Doyle anymore. Like this no. is just a bad hand to do it with. This is just a, this is just. There's so many better hands he could do this with. So unless he's got a live read, which he may have or believe he has, right. That's a fine reason to do it. Otherwise, I think this is this is just bad. I would estimate that there is no live read on Negreanu having nine seven of diamonds. I don't think that would like elicit anything. Just opening nine seven of diamonds if you're Daniel Negreanu. Agreed. Normal Negreanu. If anything, he'd be a little excited to see like a, a playable hand. No, maybe Phil Helmuth has like legit live reads. Is possible. Yeah. It could be part of his success. And maybe he can recognize when Negreanu has a truly big hand, and he do- he doesn't see that. You know? Right. That maybe that could be what's going on. That's possible. That's possible. Um. But even so, like, why can't we wait for a slightly more playable hand to, to attack a non-big Negreanu hand with? Why do we have to pick 10 yeah. deuce of diamonds? And if we're going to do that, why only make a three and a half X out of position against the known calling station of Dan Negreanu when your head's up? Yeah. Like, still, I just feel like I can already find holes with what's going on. But, okay, here we are. He, now, he are we sure that Negreanu has to call with this hand, with the stack to pot ratio, what it will be? There's going to be 28K in the pot. There's going to be just over mm. 70K in Helmy's stack. 97 of diamonds doesn't play incredibly well at that stack to pot ratio. Interesting. Um, well, the stack to pot is pretty terrible. That is true. That is true. I just kind of believe we're... I mean, it's 10K to win, what, 14? Sorry, to win 18. Yeah. 10 to win 18 in position with a playable hand against a guy who is clearly erratic with his, with his three betting. Yeah. I don't see how he can fold. I mean, it sucks, but I just don't see how he can yeah, fold. Yeah, I mean, being in position is a huge help. If we thought he was truly tight here and is only doing this with, you know, nines plus or even eights plus and, you know, ace jack plus, we could probably just fold. Yeah. But if we think he's got more zoom to his game than that, which he clearly does... Um, to me, this feels like we just probably have to call. Well, and it's Negrano, so of course he's calling with 9-7 of oh, diamonds. my God. He's like thrilled to call with 9-7 of diamonds. He is. Pot's now 28K. He's not thrilled with the flop. King of spades, 6 of diamonds, 6 of spades. Yes, this is still a breakdown hand, despite that flop in the hands that these players have. I mean, you could probably make some guesses about the, the nature of the turn based on this, but... Yes, you probably could. Or not. I don't know what you, what you can do or can't do. Yeah, you, you might be unable to do those things, gentle listener. Gentle listener. But one th- place you can do those things is on Nitrogen Sports Whoa, Poker Grand. you brought up the ad. I felt like it, we were going to forget it if I didn't we bring it We weren't going to forget. I was going to get it in there. I'm getting it in right now. Uh, please do. Well, you know what the thing is? Some, I would love to know what the thing is. Sometimes you want to play poker and when? you want to do it in the solitude of your own home, Grant. You do. And one way to do that is you log on to nitrogensports.eu. It's Nitrogen Sports Poker. And you have already, of course, signed up using the link in the description of this podcast because you're yeah. not an idiot. If you don't use that link, you don't get special stuff. Yeah, free stuff and access to our unbelievable Poker Guys tournament that we have at the end of every month where, of course, there's always a massive overlay. They always put up more money than players can possibly put into the prize pool. Um, it's amazing. There's always thousands of dollars free Bitcoin in there somehow. Uh, yeah, so people would be dumb not to do that. They'd be fools. Yeah, and so we know you guys aren't fools. You're listening you're, to the yeah, show. Yeah, you're probably a genius. <laughs> yeah. You know, if there were 50 geniuses and you sat down at the table, then there'd be 51 geniuses. Whoa! You might even lead them. Yeah. The leader of the geniuses. <laughs> It'd be incredible. Yeah. <laughs> you're like Picard. <laughs> yeah. You're like Picard. <laughs> That's what they say, right? Everybody says that. Everyone thinks Picard's a genius. Yeah, I mean, diplomacy-wise. Is he bald or balding? <laughs> Both. <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway, um, Nitrogen Sports. So they also have sports uh, betting. They've got casino games, Grant. It's a Bitcoin-only site, which means you get your money in, like, super fast. When you want to draw, you don't have to wait days, Grant. Get it out in 90 minutes. Sh- shot right to you. Yeah. Shot through the heart. <laughs> yeah. They matriculate that money right on through to you. Yeah. Matriculate. The money gets ejaculated? <laughs> no, don't say that. <laughs> right, do you? Please don't say that. On I mean, technically, it's true. Oh, uh, okay. It's not actually, though. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those possibly lose the sponsorship type of ads. Oh, not. I hope we do. I'm open to anything at I'm, this point. I don't want to lose this No, no, me either. But, you know, if it, go, if it happens, it happens. <laughs> <laughs> Nitrogen sports. <laughs> we love you. Get your gravy. Oh, uh, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's from last time. That's not, I, a, it's not a sperm. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
Our audience is like three three 3% female. I don't think it's going to go up at all with this type of stuff. Maybe they think it's funny. I can think of one female who's listening who thinks it's funny. Okay. Jackie Burkhart, you're Perhaps. laughing. Perhaps. All right. The flop was king of spades, six of diamonds, <laughs> six of spades. Yes, it was. Two spades. Yeah. Uh, we've got Phil Hellman with 10 deuce of diamonds. Daniel Negron with nine, seven of diamonds. Hellman with the three better pre-flop. Yeah. He's going to see about this flop. I don't see how you couldn't. King six, six. You're the three better. Feels like a C-bet to me. Yep. Bets 13K into 28K. He could go smaller. He could definitely go smaller. He could bet 9K. I was thinking 9K. King 6-6. Six, six, I mean, like, Daniel just has to fold, like, so much of his range, right? Does he have to fold 9-7 of diamonds? If we bet 9K? How about if we bet 13K? Okay. I mean, yes. Mostly? Like, if we were deeper, I think he could call really comfortably, right? Yeah. And then, like, I know he's got two back doors, but, like, this sucks, right? I mean. Yeah. We call we call with the hope that Phil check folds the turn. Otherwise, I just feel like we need. To, if we were deeper, this is an easy call. Yeah, when it's when we're not deep at all. Like this is the problem, of course, calling pre flop. Even like you brought up with a stack to pot, it's already not great. We need to flop a little better, I think, rather than put in another thirteen k right now. How many chips are we going to have if we call here? Well, how many is the effective stack? Oh, okay. How many chips is he going to have? How many chips effectively are we going to have, though? 57-ish, like, something like that. 57-ish. The pot's going to have 54. 61. I mean, 61 is the answer. Um, anyway. Okay. But still, like, almost one-to-one pot, stack to pot, hoping to hit a card. I guess we're hoping he just check folds, but, like, I just don't love it. I would fold. All right. Well, I have some questions for you. Yeah. How frequently does Phil actually hit this flop? Like, I know it's a range advantage board for him because of the king high nature. Slightly range advantage. Not a huge range advantage. Uh, he has more kings full and aces up, obviously. But I mean, he also has tens and jacks and queens. Right. And what's he going to do with tens, jacks, and queens? He's probably betting them. Yeah, but what's he going to do on the turn? Oh, um, that's a good question. If the turn is not a spade and it's not a, like an ace, uh, he's probably checking. He's probably yeah. checking no matter what. But I'm just wondering if he's calling a bet. I think he's usually calling. I don't know if he's calling. Yeah. And hands like ace queen, ace ten, ace jack. He's often just checking those on the flop. I mean, I'm thinking Phil specifically. Phil loves to check his Maybe. misses on the flop. So you think he's only betting kings and misses on the flop? And if he has a random six, I think he's. I think he's betting some. I think he's checking some of his misses. Also, you think he's checking his ten highs, like the one he oh. has. No, I wouldn't. If I was in ground, I probably wouldn't think he has that many 10 highs. But I guess, no, he's probably betting the, like, the really worst of the worst. He's probably yeah. betting. Yeah. The stuff that was like a bluff pre, he's usually betting. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so he's, do, he's betting that. He's betting his kings. I think he's betting on the flop. I think he is betting like all his pairs, all his big pairs, too. Okay. Do you disagree? Like if he has jacks, do you think he's checking? I think, no, I think he's betting that. But I, mean, I think it's okay to check. I think it. we can get him to fold that a lot of the time in the future for Negreanu, yeah. and we have the two back doors. And I, I agree with your stack depth argument that it's maybe we're not deep enough for that play, but those would be the arguments in favor of floating here in right. position to see what happens in the future. Yeah. I, I mean, fair enough to like, and also we're Negreanu. It's not like we don't have live reads. Yeah. We, we may feel like we have a reasonable read on, on Phil here where we can be like, oh, he doesn't love it. Yeah. He's not like super strong, probably. I can call once and let's see what happens. I mean, this is also now becoming an inflection point hand if we don't fold on this flop, right? There's yep. already like there's gonna be a lot of chips in there. And if he checks, we're like we're kind of obligated to go for it if he checks on the turn, I think, right? Unless like I guess we could hit like a nine and check if we wanted to. We probably should even bet that though to, to protect our equity in this sizable pot. I think we're probably betting all turns. We might check a nine. We might. We might, but that's it, right? Maybe a nine and a seven. I think we're probably, we could talk about that, but I, I would consider betting those two personally. Well, Negron is going to call, which is why. Yeah, know, of course. But he's not going to raise because the, the hand would be over then. He's not going to fold because the hand would be over then. Right. Um, so obviously he thinks Helmuth has enough give ups that this is an all right thing to do. Yeah. And look at Helmuth's hand. He probably is giving up the turn. Right? Yeah. He's probably done. So this is going to work out really well for Negronu unless the turn is kind of fun yeah well it's gonna be kind of fun well it's a party in 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 the fucking card pants of the deck <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> you know people say there's a party in my pants yeah there's a party in the card pants of the deck of the deck and not my card pants i don't have card pants well, what are card pants <laughs> well there there could be a few things right i don't mean pants made out of cards i mean the cards wearing pants and inside the pants is where the party Okay, but if you were a human and you were yeah. 
to have card pants. <laughs> yeah. Could they be made out of cards? I mean, look, everything in card world is made out of cards. <laughs> yeah. but, but from a card point of view, they're not made out of cards. It's like saying, you know, is your shirt made out of you? No, of course it isn't. <laughs> you can't prove that. You know what? I'm looking at your shirt and I can't prove that. It's very, very skin-like. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize how yeah. much it blends. Yeah. Or you blend. Or I'm not sure. It's sort of a camouflage effect here. I'm like, uh, I'm like the predator. You're like the predator, but just if you're standing in front of like a bunch of naked people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. All right. Anyway, <laughs> the pot is 54,000. Yeah. After Negrano calls. King 6-6, six, six, two spades, one diamond. Negrano with 9-7 of diamonds. How many with 10 deuce of diamonds? The turn is the eight of diamonds. Yeah. Look at that turn for Negrano. Yeah. He's now got the open-ended straight flush draw. This is why we call. Helmuth. I mean, this is the ultimate card. Yeah. Helmuth, of course is emboldened by this card as well because he now picks up the 10-high flush draw. Maybe Helmuth was going to give up. Maybe even yeah. though this looks like a great card for Negreanu, and he would, he, maybe he would have won this pot automatically if it was the deuce of clubs. I think he probably... Well, deuce makes Helmuth a pair, but... Oh, three of clubs. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think he probably would have. I think Helmuth's just check folding on the turn. So in a way, even though this is a really good card, it, it's a, a little bit unlucky for Negreanu. That's a good point. Yeah. So as Helmuth, you kind of have to keep going now, right? Like if you're going to... I mean, take this card hand in three bet and then get this card on the turn and you have a range advantage on this board. You've got to keep betting. We have to take an aggressive action on the turn. All right. We what's, have to. what's the bottom of our value range when we bet 28 K in the 54 K, which is what Helmuth does. Is it a King? We're not betting Queens, right? No, we're never betting Queens. Yeah. I think it's not just a King. I think it's gotta be a pretty good King. King Jack minimum. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Helmuth is the kind of guy who always like sees monsters under the bed, or at least he used to. Remember when he was in the big game and he had ace nine on the nine nine ten board, and he bet, and the loose cannon goes all in for not that much more, and he like thought for a while before he finally called because he was afraid the loose cannon had pocket tens, yeah, and loose cannon had kings, and, and ended up winning three out of four, yeah, runouts, and the greatest miracle runout ever yeah. for that loose cannon. But and Fell was even saying at the time to Doy, he's like, you know, I wasn't slowing this guy, you know how I think. He was, yeah. he was like, I'm not being a dick. I just like really always think I'm beat. So I don't know that, I don't even know if he's really betting King Jack, but he might bet King Jack because he's trying to, he's probably working hard to get thinner value in these heads up spots against yeah. Negrano, I assume. Um, he wants to get value from the spades too and stuff like that. He just doesn't want to get raised. Um, so anyway, yeah, probably, probably a good king. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, so that, that limits the value range. It does. Now, if we're Negranu, are we assuming that Helmuth is going to give up with a lot of the hands that are whiffs now? Like if he had something like uh, Ace-10, do you think he'd be betting? Mostly not. Unless it was of diamonds. Okay, yes, diamonds you'd bet. Because that factors into my next question. Like this is an awkward spot for Negranu. This goes back to the stack-to-pot ratio thing that is occurring pre-flop and on the flop. After Helmuth bets 28K, he has 31K back. Yeah. The pot's already 54K before the bet. Like, as Negranu, do we just fold the open-ended straight flush draw? We can't. So the question becomes, do we move in or do we call? Right. Like, if we call, we're not getting the right immediate odds against what Helmuth is repping. It's close. On a paired board. On a paired board. That's an interesting point. It hurts a little bit. Yeah. We're all, I mean, Kings is really the only thing we're really afraid of there, but to your point. Helmuth could have sixes, obviously. He could, but there's one combo. No, I mean any six. Oh, since he has ten dudes. Yeah. I guess he could. I guess he could, but... Uh, that's okay because m- almost all the sixes aren't going to be a problem unless he makes a full house by the river. Right, but that just, no matter what the six is, it removes some of our outs. Ah, uh, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Changes the odds. Yeah. Um, so okay, I, to your point about immediate odds. Yeah. 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 So it's like 28 to win 85, though. So it's, you're right. Maybe it's not perfect, but it's close. It's really close. We have to believe if we make a backdoor straight or a backdoor flush, we're often going to get paid as Negrano. Right. Yeah, but there are scenarios like this one, and we wouldn't expect 10 deuce of diamonds, where the diamond is no good. Like, Helmuth might have a lot of ace-high diamonds here. That's true. He could have some of that. Um, here's some questions I have for you. Okay. If we were to move in, are we folding out, number one, ace-10 of diamonds? I have no idea. Against Phil Helmuth. I mean, we'd be moving in for... There'd be 85 in there. It'd be we, 31 to... To win 115 for Helmuth. I think it's even more. Because we there's 85 in there. We have to call as 28 and we move in for 31 more. Oh, yeah. You're so right. So it's like, it's like 150 
It's yeah. like 31 to win 150. So he's getting the right odds. Yeah. He can call. The board is paired. Yeah, he could be drawing dead. He's Phil Helmuth. He's a little tight. I don't know, but he could also say, fuck it. Better, like, fuck it. I got 31K. Let's go. I think a better question is, what does Helmuth do with King Jack? Well, I was going to ask you the same thing, but for Ace King. Yeah. Is he, is he going to actually... Is he, is he ever folding those Let's hands? forget about Phil Helmuth for a second. Yeah. If you're in Phil Helmuth's seat and you have Ace King and Negreanu moves in on the turn, what are you doing? I probably feel like I have to call me because of distribution. Yeah. I'd probably use distribution and be like, well, there's two flush draws. It's Negreanu. He's a little weird. I'm probably beat a lot, but there's, it's only 31K left. This is one of the best hands I can show up with. Fuck it. I call. That's probably what I would do. But, you know, that mindset sometimes gets me in a lot of trouble. <laughs> Instead yeah. of being like, what, what can I actually beat here? Which is another very reasonable question. I can't beat any value, clearly, right. with the ace-king, right? But ace-king and aces can't beat any value, but are they actually going to fold, is my Maybe. question. Okay, what if you had king-jack? Right. Because that might be the, the bottom. bottom of your distribution. Uh, like, if you're definitely calling with your flush draws, king-jack might be the bottom of your distribution. Then we have to fold that, right? Yeah. So we have to fold King Jack. Maybe we can fold King Queen. We can call with the Ace King, Aces, and our flush draws. Something like that. Yeah. Our, our good flush. Our, our good flush draws. Right. Like what is? Turns out we can have bad flush draws. What if Hamuth actually gets moved in on with the hand he has here? Ten, ten high flush draw. What He's do you getting do? Getting five to one. But he could be drawing nearly dead or dead. He could be drawing dead, and he could be drawing effectively dead against a yeah. better flush draw. Right. Um. I think he probably folds this hand. Yeah. He might fold all the hands we've just been talking about. He might. I don't know. I believe he probably, he's the kind of guy who might talk himself into like, I still have 31K, man. Like, I'm Phil Helmuth. Like, I don't need to gamble. All that kind of stuff. It's, is he going to fold Ace King? I think this is a really tough spot for Negreanu. I don't, like, calling feels like we don't have the right odds. And he's just like lighting money on fire. But moving in, I'm just concerned that Helmuth is going to just rage call. With like all of his range, yeah. I, I'm. I look. There's a lot of players like Ike Haxton is probably going to range call, right? I said rage call. Rage call. That's very different. Yeah. I thought you made up a new term, and I was no. just working with it because you said all of his range. No. Like, okay. I can. I can do that. No. Um, rage call. That makes more sense. I don't feel like help me range rage calls. I feel like he rage folds. Yeah. Like he makes a big stink about stuff. Takes a really long time and angrily folds when stuff happens. Yeah. So that's just another reason to move in. Like, also, I want to get paid if we get there as Negranu. And I'm afraid that if I call here and I get there, I may not get paid. I Phil mean, with might be check folding. It's a, it's a big enough pot that that's not the biggest deal. Agreed. Like, there's not that much back. Agreed. There's still, stuff, there's still some back, though. Yeah. Um, but that's another piece to it anyway, is what I'm saying, right? I think there's got to be some fold equity. We get there a third of the time. So if we can fold out like 20% of his hands, 20% of his range right now, of his entire range, then moving is probably okay because we get there about a third of the time. Now, we don't always win when we get there, I guess. So maybe we need to fold out 30% of his range. Right? Yeah. But then that probably makes it fine. Um, by the way, if we're up against a flush draw, a better flush draw, well, it isn't great. We have a straight draw and we've got often live cards. Yes. So we have outs against... Almost everything except full houses. If he's got kings full, we're screwed. Yes. But that's pretty much it, right? So you want to move in? I feel like at this point I want to move in. I know it sucks, but calling this much off with only 31K left, I, I just want to move in and see. Like, I, I believe sometimes he's going to fold because it looks so strong to move in. Yeah. Like, I think oh, I, my God, we just have it. I think I want to move in, too. It looks incredibly strong. Negrano has a six or better if he moves in, obviously. Negrano so ha- has so many sixes in his range right here. He does. And when there's two flush draws out there, you could see Negrano being like, all right, if you've got ace king or something like that, you're going to call. So I'm moving in with my six. And then Phil might make the, the superstar fold because he's Phil Homieth and yeah. wants to make that superstar fold so right. badly. That's just a, if I think Phil Homieth is going to overfold at all, I think we should absolutely move in. And I do think Phil Homieth is more likely to overfold than most. It's just a really tough spot. All options feel bad. Folding feels bad. Calling feels bad. Moving in feels bad. This is because A, we called before the flop and B, we called on the flop. Yes, right? it is. Like we probably should have folded both spots really, but I can understand the pre-flop call. The flop call really put us in this spot. But now that we're here, it feels like we have to take, we have to, that's a great card for us. That's like maybe our nut card. That may be, literally be the best card in the deck for us, right? I think it is. Yeah. So let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Sometimes he folds when he doesn't. Let's gamble. And by the way, if we lose his hand, he gets, you know, gets all the chips. 
We still have some ships. We still have like 40K. It's not the end of the world. It's not great. It's it, not great. It's also like 30K. It's yeah. not really 40K. It's like 15 blinds. Yeah. But okay, it's a tournament, man. Yeah, we can do it. Negrano decides to call. Yeah. I guess he just, I mean, obviously that means he decided he didn't have enough fold equity to justify moving in. Here's a reason to call. If you're Negrano and you believe, now we keep coming back to this. If you believe you're going to be able to read Phil somewhat reasonably well on the river. By the way, sometimes Phil's going to check and we can move in. Right? Yeah. We're going to have to move in, right? There's going to be 110K in the pot and 31K back. If Phil checks, we have to move in kind of no matter what. Yeah. Unless we hit a nine or a seven, I guess we can check back and hope we're up against ace queen. But any other card, I think we have to move in. Like an ace comes, we move in. A king comes, we move in. A three comes, we move in, right? Yeah. Um, we make our straighter, our flush, we move in. So if we believe we have any level of read on Phil, then that's at least justifies a little bit more. You feel like, well, I can make a nearly perfect decision on the river, so I don't have to move in right now. Of course, if we had a perfect read on Phil, we might have moved in. We might have raised the flop. We might have re-raised pre-flop. We might have, you know, we might, might be easier to move in on the turn. Yeah. All these, if we really had that read. But as an agronomy, we may believe we have that read. Of course, everyone thinks they have a read on someone else. So yeah. you actually have to be right. Otherwise, who cares? I just think it's an impossibly difficult spot that Negreanu's in here. It is tough. This, this is because he called the flop, right? I mean, that's, yeah. that feels like, that feels like a, a real mistake to me. Maybe it isn't because, like we were saying, if most cards come, maybe yeah. he just gets to win. I'm this not is, sure it's a mistake. Okay. I'm, you know what? Fair enough. It, maybe mistake is the wrong word, but this is the sticky situation he gets himself into. How about that? Yeah. And then not moving in on the turn feels like he could get himself into a lot of sticky situations on the river. Well, not that many, actually. Usually, it's going to be pretty clear for him on the river, right? He's either got it, he's got nine high or he's got a big hand, usually. Yeah. So it's actually going to be really straightforward on the river. Maybe that's part of the reason why he feels like he can call more. And if Phil checks, he's always going to move in. Yeah. Okay. Like, if he had... Yeah, I guess. Having nine high just makes me want to move in so much, though. I know. Me too. But he calls. Okay. River's the nine of spades. What? We made a pair. 110K in the pot. Helmuth has 31 back. The board reads king of spades, six of diamonds, six of spades, eight of diamonds, nine of spades. Here's a big question. Should Helmuth go all in for a quarter of the pot? It's a pretty interesting question. On one level, Phil clearly has a range advantage, right? Yeah. Phil has the big hands that Negrano doesn't have. Phil's got kings. Yep. Negrano just doesn't. Yep. Almost ever. Right. Maybe a tiny bit, but Phil's got way more kings than Negrano has, right? Um, what is Phil putting Negrano on at this point? That's a big question that we have to ask when asking, should we move in? I mean, it feels like Negrano has like king 10. It feels like he has king queen to king 10, maybe king nine suited. And sometimes he has a six that he just call yes. calls. Well, if Negrano's got a six, he's going to call. Yeah. What's he going to do with king queen? I don't know. I want to say fold, but Negrano's known for calling everything. Call? He's going to be getting such a good price. Is Phil moving in that often as a bluff on the river? You'd have to ask yourself as Negranu, right? Like 31K to win 141K. <sighs> Man, he's giving us such a good price. Like you can go both ways with that price thing, right? Yeah. It's easy, it's easy to talk yourself into either side. I usually just talk myself into the math side of it. Right. Like, cool, I'm getting a good price, so I just don't have to be right that much. It's better just to use the math in the end, I think. I think so too, because you could really tie yourself in knots against these players who are all tricky and weird and stuff, yeah. right? It's like, yeah. Cool, you gave me a good price. You got paid off again. Congratulations. Um, and actually, it's fine, because if I call enough times and I see you're literally never bluffing, I can finally stop calling in those spots, yeah. right? And, then you, and you're not bluffing because you see every time I call you. So like, you're not going to bluff me there, and so that's fine. But until then, yeah, I think we should, be, we should just call. I agree. So if he's got king 10, that could be like king 9 anyway. King 9 is probably the worst hand Dana could consider calling with on the river. Yeah. The spades miss. Do we think Helmuth is like kamikaze enough to do this? We know once in a while he is, but yeah. usually not. But once in a while, even against Antonio, in every match, Phil had a few kamikaze-type plays that always worked against Antonio. Like, always. So you think Helmuth should go for it? He's repping ace-king plus, I guess, right? Yeah. Ace-king at a minimum, it yeah. feels like. Maybe, maybe king-queen, because you feel ace-queen. Ace-king is sort of... If Negrano with Ace-King, is probably four-betting a lot pre. So King-Queen is, like, safe. The river like, is, by the way, the nine of spades. So oh, like, it's a third spade? Yeah. Oh, wait a second. So now we can maybe get Negrano to fold the king if it's a spade. That's really different. Yeah. You know what? Now I want to attack it. 
because Negrano can't really call the turn with most spades. Yeah. Now I want to go all in. We block some of the things we want him to have. We really do. But we don't block spades, and we do want him to have spades. Spades are much more likely than diamonds. We want him to have spades? Oh, shit. We don't want him to have spades. Sorry. <laughs> we want him to have a bad king. Yeah. Is Negrano calling with king-queen now? If spades come in, we go all in? I don't think he is. Maybe not. So if he's folding a king, all kings here, now he's calling with sixes and better? We should move in. I think Negreanu probably at this point in his GTO life is going to call with king, queen with a queen of spades, king, jack with king, uh, jack of spades, and king, ten with a ten of spades. That's fair. That's really fair. I think you're right. Okay. King, nine with a nine of spades, maybe. Yeah. Okay. But still. Well, there's no nine of spades available. That's oh, that's really right. The nine of spades is out. Okay. But still, there's like, that means most of the kings are not, don't have a spade in them, right? Yeah. Still have way more combos of kings without spades than, than with spades. I guess we should go for it. I think we should. We're getting, look at the price we're getting to bluff. Yeah. And you, know, you could say, you could also look at it like this. Well, if we don't go for it, we've got 15 and a half blinds. If we go for it and we're wrong, the match is over. If we go for it and we're right, we're suddenly we're the overwhelming chip leader here. We've got a great chance to win this tournament. Yeah. Like, so we have a little bit of life if we check, if we check fold here effectively. Or check lose, mm-hmm. which is what we're doing. We know one way or another we're going to lose this hand if we check, right? Phil often does give up in these spots, I he will does. say. Um, but like from like a meta point of view, like by moving in, either the thing's over and we don't have to think about it anymore, or we're in gr- a great spot. I kind of like that. Or otherwise, we're just in a really shitty spot. Yeah, like, we let's are. Let's take the chance of like having being in a great spot. Yeah. Negrano doesn't look super strong, and the spade came in. If the spade didn't come in, I, I hate moving in here. Because I, I think you're right. Negrano's probably calling with his kings. But now he's probably folding most of them. Let's get him to fold that king. All right. Helmuth moves in for 31K. Okay. Negrano snap folds with, with his 9-7. Yeah, he hits a 9, but like you can't really call, right? Yeah. This is, this is one of the problems with... This is the kind of situation that isn't going to come up very often, admittedly. But that if Negrano moved in on the turn, even if Helmuth calls, now he wins. It doesn't matter, right? Yeah, he gets to ensure the victory instead of like, this is the only way it really goes bad for him. It's like he hits a nine or a seven and and gets bluffed. Right. Right. Although, actually, another way it goes bad is he gets Helmuth to fold the turn and a diamond would have come on the river. And He still wins the pot. That's a significantly different situation. Well, no, no, no. But if a diamond came on the river, he would have lost. He would have lost all in to Phil. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I'm saying it like those are the two really good ways right. that this could have worked out for him by moving in on the turn. Like he gets to capture value from those two things. Plus, of course, all the fold equity with nine high, which is pretty good, too. And getting paid off if he gets called and getting there, um, which he probably would have been anyway, quite frankly. Yeah, so Helmuth does it again. Helmuth does it again. I mean, I understand. The dragon lady defeats the robot computer. I don't hate the decisions by Negranu. Even though we've been saying, like, he probably should do this part differently, probably. But, like, really, they're all pretty reasonable all the way through, right? Like, as you said, the turn is really tough. I prefer moving in. But it's not terrible to call when you're in position, reasonable immediate odds, and you're Negranu thinking, like, how am I going to shut down a lot with his bluffs, right? When yeah. we're, of course, moving in every time he does, right? Yeah. Well, this, uh, this hand propelled the, the big PH, and he won this match, too. It's been five in a row for the high-stakes dual champion, Phil Helmuth. They're playing one more time uh, at the beginning of June, and then after that, it's hard to know if they're going to keep going or not. I would guess they're not going to keep going. Phil can then end it if yeah. he wants to. That's what he did with Antonio. I'm sure he'll do it with Daniel, too. Then he gets to work back down to 50000 if he wants to keep playing these, these duels or if he wants to stop. Yeah. But he's forced to play at least three, so... Well, I guess good job, Phil. I mean, good job, Phil. I guess. I mean, he triple barreled. It worked. I like the movement on the river. Yeah. It's close, though. These are... It, it felt... It's still, like, from preflop on, it all feels a little button clicky, right? He's just got 10 deuce of diamonds and goes for it. Yes, it does. Um, we like the bet on the flop. We like the bet on the turn. We like the movement on the river, yeah. though. So... Yeah. But it's all set up just because he randomly yeah. did that, right? pretty unlucky. Negreanu often wins this hand, I think, if he doesn't get three bet pre. Like, oh, yeah. Phil, I guess Phil just check folds the flop. Yeah. I think about it. For sure. Or, yeah, or, or they goes check, check on the river and Negreanu wins. Yeah. Yeah. A much smaller pot. Wow. Sucks for Daniel. GG. 